Welcome. This is my truth as a platform for honest, open conversations. The stories I share or that others share are often not spoken about or discussed, but once told, I believe they have the ability to shine a light on another perspective or a much needed conversation. These stories may make us laugh, some may make us cry, but together we will learn from one another and begin to heal. Because walls need to be torn down, masks need to come off, stories need to be heard in order for our truths to be told. This is my truth. Will you tell me yours? Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm your host, Jesse Charleff. A few quick reminders before we talk about our, my conversation with Elizabeth today. As you know, my goal is to create a community and connection through sharing personal stories. The podcast is one way we're doing that, but I also have a private Facebook group where a growing number of individuals are sharing their moments where they have felt isolated or alone or even just a moment that keeps popping up into their mind. And in this group, we create a safe space. There is no judgment and we provide thoughts and thought starters on how to actually write down these moments. And what I found in talking to people after they share their moments, and it's completely optional to share, is there's often a sense of relief or of gratitude or freedom that comes with sharing a moment. And so if you are interested in joining this growing community, find the This Is My Truth Facebook group. It is private, so I will have to um, admit you there's a few questions to ask, to answer. Um, And it's just to make sure that we're all on the same page in terms of the agreements of how to keep this safe, this space a safe space. So with that, I wanted to share a little bit about the conversation that I had with Elizabeth. Elizabeth shares a very raw experience that she had when she was pregnant. So she has a very rare, or she experienced a very rare condition that is HG. But I think at a deeper level, what Elizabeth and I actually talk about is self-advocacy. But even deeper than that, the underlying theme of our conversation is actually listening to your inner voice and then acting on that knowledge. So for Elizabeth, she knew that something was, was wrong. She knew that this was not quote unquote normal. And she listen to herself, listen to her voice, listen to her body and advocated when many people didn't want to listen, but advocated for herself to get the help that she needed so that she could honestly survive the pregnancy in a way that was sustainable for her. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation. It's candid and honest and Elizabeth is just an all around amazing human and enjoy. 
Hi, Elizabeth. I am so thrilled to have you on today. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> I am so pumped for our conversation, and I'd like to open up with everyone with the same question, which is, what is the truth that you would like to share today? So my truth um, really revolves around the idea of, I think, self-advocacy. Um, I found out with my first baby, I have two, um, I found out during my first pregnancy that I had something called hyperemesis gravardium, which is a really rare disease that happens to 1% of pregnant women. Um, and it's really mislabeled as morning sickness. Um, but what it is, is it's really continual sickness through pregnancy. Um, and I, I didn't even know what it was. I guess I just kind of expected that it was normal for women to be throwing up all day long. And, you know, everyone said, oh, it'll pass. Just wait, you know, for a second trimester, it'll pass. Um, but it didn't. It never went away. It was just all day, every day, just spending hours laying on the bathroom floor, um, laying in bed, and, you know, no one really understood. No one really had any answers. It's just one of those things that's so rare that there's not a lot of research and there's not a lot of doctors that even know what it is. Um, yeah, and so it was really just a, a journey of figuring it out for myself and like being able to stand up for myself with all these doctors that just were not there for me. They didn't advocate for me and I had to become that person myself and um, you know, even my, my partner at the time didn't know what to do or have answers. And it was just a really scary time. I'm sure. Um, well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And I know this doesn't make up for it, but I'm sorry um, that you thank experienced you. that. I didn't experience HP myself, but I was sick um, with my oldest for the first 28 weeks of my pregnancy. Wow. And so I can definitely empathize. I know it's, I know what you experience is significantly worse. Um, but I remember talking to friends and them saying the same thing, right? Like, you know, just try the, try, try those lozenges or just try those ginger yes. lollipops or, you know, and it's all well-intended. Um, but you know, all the medicine in the world that they kept giving me like was not, was not working. Um, and so I can definitely relate just to some degree of, of what you experienced. So I'm sorry. That's tough. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I think toward the middle of my pregnancy, if another person had told me to try ginger crackers, I probably would have beat them over the head with it. Like, <laughs> it was just like, no, that doesn't work. Yes, I have tried it. <laughs> Stop. Like, my favorite too is like, are you snacking? And I'm like, <laughs> no. Um, so again, I'm, I'm sure it was always well-intended, but <laughs> right. I, I hear you when there's, there's really nothing. Um, to, to do. So tell me a little bit about 
self-advocacy because I can only speak for myself. That's, that's hard for me to do. And I think when you are pregnant, there's so, at least again, in my experience, there's so much focus on the baby and not always a ton of focus on the woman. Um, so what was that experience like for you? Right. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and I'm also not very good at that. I mean, I, I've gotten a lot better through the process of going through the illness twice, but, um, and, and, you know, previously before pregnancy, I, I've struggled with, um, depression my whole life. And, and I used to kind of laugh at myself because, um, I would have doctors that would see through me and I, you know, cause I would always say like, Oh, I'm good. I'm fine. And some doctors would just take that at face value, but others, you know, would see through it, um, and say, okay, what's actually going on? Cause I can tell that you're just saying that. Um, and so that was a big adjustment adjustment for me to be able to be honest, not just with myself, but with my providers. And I think, especially as a woman, that's really hard to do because we balance so much and we're, we're used to being the homemakers and just taking everything on with a smile on our face. And, and to an extent that's expected of us still today. So when I found out that I was pregnant, I was on Medi-Cal, which is the California state insurance. It's like the California version of Medicaid or Medicare. Um, so it's it's pretty terrible insurance. Um, I my primary physician was at a clinic, and it took a lot of pressure for me to even get them to do a blood test. When I first went, they made me wait I think three hours to even do a P test, mm-hmm. and then it came out negative. And I was like, I know I'm pregnant. I know that I am. I'm throwing up. You know, I just can feel it. I can tell. And so they made me wait two more weeks and then I came back and then they did another, they actually did the blood test and it was positive. And so at that point they did an ultrasound um, and confirmed that I was eight weeks along. And so, you know, just from the very start having to push for, you know, the blood test, it was just, it seemed like such a minuscule thing, but to me it was like, I know that this is happening and you're not listening to me. Um, and I, I get it. They had a waiting room full of people who are underinsured and, you know, they're doing the best they can with the resources, but it, it's, it's stressful. Um, and so, you know, they ended up referring me to an OB and it was absolutely crazy because I, at that point, I had been to the emergency room probably three times because I just would become so dehydrated from throwing up all day long. You know, anything I was putting into my body was just coming up and it would get to the point where um, I couldn't even keep water down. You know, at the beginning I could kind of keep down a little bit of food and then it would just progressively get worse. And so after a little while I was in the emergency room at UCLA and the emergency doctor made kind of a flippant comment and said, oh, you have HG. And I, I was like, what, what is that? And he was like, oh, no one's told you this? And I'm like, no. 
and he said, oh, it's, it's hyperemesis gravardium. It's severe morning sickness in pregnancy. And he's like, you should really look this up. Like, this is a big deal. And so he was the first person who actually informed me. And at that point, I had already seen, you know, my primary physician an OB, and they had referred me out to a, a third doctor to get the ultrasound. Wow. And so, you know, the amount of exposure I'd had to providers was insane. And so for it to take that long for anyone to even diagnose and say like, oh, you're not crazy. You're n- this isn't just normal morning sickness. This is a legitimate illness. Um, that was just, I mean, in the midst of feeling so terrible, it was comforting. Um, and so getting, getting back to, you know, the, the advocacy part, I, I had an experience with, um, one of the doctors that I had been referred to just for an ultrasound who actually tried to take over my care. Um, she was only supposed to be doing an ultrasound and ended up doing like a full workup and referred me to her nutritionist um, who also like made me write down a food journal and they tried to convince me that I was ill because of what I was eating. Oh my goodness. And so that was a really big thing for me, um, especially as someone who has struggled with Um, an eating disorder through my teenage years. So to have to be forced to write down everything I was eating, you know, felt very like PTSD almost, you know, like, oh my God, I'm being forced to like relive this trauma. And then two for them to pick apart, oh, you had a cookie yesterday? Okay, no, no cookies for you. You know, and it was like, listen, I feel like I'm dying if I want to have a cookie, even though I know I'm going to throw it up. I'm still going to eat a cookie. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I, I felt really proud of myself for um, being kind of forceful with the nutritionist and saying, you know what? I know you're wrong. I know that this is not what I need. Yeah. Maybe I could be eating more vegetables and maybe it would help, but I'm not even keeping water down. So at this point, I, I know that I know that you're wrong. I know that this is not something that I'm doing. It's just something that my body is doing. Yeah. And for them to push back at me and, and try and say like, we know better than you. That was hard for me, but I stood up to them and I didn't go back to that doctor. I told my, my, um, my OB that I wasn't going back, that they were going to have to find a different way to do um, my ultrasounds because I felt really violated. And I felt like they were trying to take over my care and push things on me that I wasn't asking for. And so that was, that was a big step for me. And, um, I'm not really sure where that came from. Maybe just being so exhausted and so sick and being like, listen, I'm not going to sit in this, in this waiting room any longer. Like this is enough. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So well, first of all, I'm very proud of you for for standing <laughs> up you. for yourself. I think that especially, again, I can only speak for myself, but in the medical field in particular, like obviously I'm so far removed from the medical field. It's like some, it's one of those fields where I always am like, all right, like I'm putting my trust in you. And so mm-hmm. I have a really hard time standing up for myself um, generally. But then like when you put someone in quote unquote, like a professional spot, um, 
I think that's hard and it's probably hard for a lot of women to, to sit there and say like, I don't agree with you. So I think that's amazing. And I'm so proud of you for, for doing that. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I think with doctors, um, they come from a place of respect, you know, they're respected and they, generally know what they're talking about, or at least that's the perception as a patient. And so, you know, to, to be able to do that, it, it was a big deal. It is a big deal. And I think it's really hard and it takes practice. And I really hope more women can start doing that, especially in pregnancy, because we are just so underserved and, and so tossed aside. And I feel like, I mean, that's why there's maternal death and, you know, especially women of color are just not listened to and have these high rates of death because we don't, we aren't cherished. We're not treated as though we just brought this life into the world. We're treated as though we're just incubators. And that sounds really harsh, but it's true. And I mean, you can talk to almost any woman who's had a baby and come up with a story about how they've experienced some form of abuse during their pregnancy or their labor. And it's not a rare occurrence, sadly. And so it's just really unfortunate. And I really hope that, you know, we can come to the place where as women, we can be that advocate for ourselves and take control of that because clearly no one's going to do it for us. Um, We've been in this system for how many years now and, and it's not changing. And I truly think women are amazing and so strong. And I think if we can get to the place where we can be like, you know what, I, I am a badass. Like I can take control of my own care and I can take control of myself and have that empowerment of like, you know, just because you're a doctor doesn't mean that, you know, my body better than me. Um, but of course that's easier said than done. So <laughs> A hundred percent. And the word that kept coming to mind when you were talking, first of all, you, like we are badasses. Women are badasses. Um, <laughs> and I have never felt that more since starting this podcast and talking to all of these amazing, amazing women. Um, but the word that kept coming to mind when you were talking was community, right? And I think that in order, from my perspective, in order to do what you're saying, which I love. Um, again, for me, I think that it comes back to community. Like to be the lone wolf is hard and someone needs to do it a hundred percent, right? Like someone needs to be that, that one voice. And then I think if you can do that and stand up, then how do you find others and create a community, um, of like-minded people and make change? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's been kind of amazing since I started speaking out about this. I had friends that I didn't even realize had HG and came forward and said, oh my God, I experienced that too. It was absolutely awful. And I joined um, during probably about halfway through my first pregnancy, I joined a Facebook group for women with HG and just saw all of these experiences of women that were being pushed aside and, and, you know, it was the rare occurrence when a doctor would listen to them and advocate for them and give them the severe treatment that they actually needed. And it was really comforting. And two, it was really good because I saw the treatments that 
women were receiving. And so then I started to know what to ask for because it is so rare that, you know, it's not all the fault of the provider. They really are not educated on this and there's just not a lot of research. Um, so, you know, there is that component and you do have to kind of do your own research and, and ask questions and be informed, which is hard when you're barely surviving and you yeah. can't even get out of bed, but it is what it is. And we do the best with what we have. Um, a hundred percent. I, I think that what you're saying is so, so true. Um, I'm curious, looking back, hindsight's always 2020, right? Um, is there, and I don't know if advice is the right word, but what would you tell yourself if you were looking at yourself um, during that experience? What would you tell yourself now? Um, I think especially after having a second pregnancy um, and knowing what could be provided to me with that advocacy for myself, I would definitely um, tell myself to push harder and to ask for specific things. Um, because my, my second pregnancy, I, I knew what was happening. And so right off the bat, I sought out a high-risk specialist because when you have HG, you're considered high-risk clearly because you and the baby are not receiving nutrients that you need to thrive. And so you're put into that category. And because I had that extra support, right off the bat, they ordered home health care. And I had, you know, a nurse come to my home to take care of me and give me an IV. And, you know, I had this pump in my stomach that gave me chemo grade nausea medication through the IV. And it was such a different experience. I mean, it was still hard. It was still a struggle, especially because then I had a toddler to chase after while I'm debilitated. (laughs) But I definitely would tell myself to just push for that. And if, you know, if you get pushback, don't just don't listen. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, if the doctor says, no, we're not going to do that find someone else, you know, get a second or a third or a fourth opinion if that's what you need, because it's your life. And, you know, it's a really, really scary disease and you can die. I mean, there have been women that have died and that's just, that's not okay. Elizabeth, thank you so much for sharing. How can others continue to follow you on your journey? So I, um, I have my own podcast called Pretty Girls Talking Dirty, um, where we talk about all things that women have previously been looked down on for talking about. Um, And you can find it on Apple or Spotify and also Instagram at Pretty Girls Talking Dirty. And yeah, that's where I kind of update and blog and put my life out there for the world to see. (laughs) I absolutely love it. Um, Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for sharing. Thank you. This is amazing. I'm so happy that you're doing this. It's so important. Thank you. And I think what you're doing with your podcast is amazing and equally important. And I think the more we can empower women, the better off this world will be. Completely agree. Thank you for spending time with me today. So here's the thing. 
When I started this journey for myself, I didn't know what to do once I admitted I wasn't happy. I felt relief for finally admitting that I was numb inside, but I didn't know what my next step should be. So I got help and I found a community. My goal with this podcast is to pay it forward. So I've just created a private Facebook community. And in this community, I hope to create a space where others can share their moments, big or small, that are part of your story. Because what I learned when going through this process myself is when you're not telling your story, someone else is telling it for you. So if you've ever had this little fire inside of you burning to share your story, if you ever heard this little voice encouraging you to write down your story, come join my Facebook community. In it, I'll be sharing more insights and truths of my own, and I'll also be sharing tips and journal prompts to get you to be starting down the path of getting comfortable sharing your story. This isn't easy, but I'm here to hold your hand because someone held my hand when I went through it myself. I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you.